Would you please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17? In the past couple years, it's been kind of, you have to laugh or you have to cry about the challenges that we have faced that have been unique. They have been historic to us, and I'm glad with the pandemic and with COVID-19 that many people have had serious struggles with. I'm glad that we can smile and laugh about a few things that have come out of it. I'm going to share one of those with you today that, that I thought was funny and quite good. Um, it's a parody song that somebody wrote I won't share the whole thing with you, but just a, a couple stanzas. It's the familiar song from James Taylor about 50 ways to leave your lover. Some of you are familiar with that song. And a couple of clever people have decided to jump on that tune and apply it to what we've been facing for the past several months. A couple stanzas go like this. Stay away from the pack, Jack. Don't give or don't visit your grandstand. Wipe down every toy, Roy, to keep virus free. Stop touching your, gra- your face, Grace. Don't forget the soap, Hope. Use a lot of Purell, Mel. That's the way to get, keep yourself well. And, and so on it goes. I thought that was very clever. And uh, many of you can remember where we had a season where touching your face was just, you know, the worst thing we could possibly do. And I don't hear much about that anymore For two years, we've had one expert after another giving us one opinion after another of how to help survive COVID-19. We've added certain words to our vocabulary that likely we did not use on a regular basis before. One of those words is the word quarantine. Some of you have heard the word quarantine a lot. Some of you are tired of hearing that word quarantine. And I thought today we would spend some time in God's Word looking at 10 men who were in quarantine. Now, of course, they would not use that term quarantine at all. In fact, they might be a little bit bothered if we were comparing what we're going through to what they went through. These 10 men had a disease called leprosy. And leprosy was a horrible disease that we'll mention a little bit more about in a little bit. But as we turn to Luke 17, I want to stop some of you from where your mind might be going because some of you might be thinking that we're going to talk today about having an attitude of gratitude. Uh, We have nine out of ten that were healed and did not say thank you. And while I think it is appropriate for us to even use this text and talk about gratitude sometimes, I think that's, I think it's missing the mark of what what we should learn here from Luke chapter 17. What we will see in God's Word today, instead of an attitude of gratitude, I want for us to focus on the fact that amid all of the calls for attention in your life, the things that call your attention in the day-to-day, and even the things that might be considered emergency, tragedy, of all of the things that call for our attention, the devil has a desire to get us to take our eyes off the bigger thing, and the bigger thing is Jesus Christ. All that we can go through We are promised that we have a Savior who will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what trial, no matter what difficulty, no matter how many tears you shed, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. I don't mean to be unkind when I talk about uh, leprosy as a distraction 
Clearly, we're not facing maybe anything as bad as that. But it is true that you and I will regularly come across situations that pull our attention away from the Savior. And we need to be reminded by this one who was thankful that we cannot miss what Jesus is trying to show us. All that to take us to Luke 17. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page 996. And if you do not own a Bible of your own, please feel free to keep that Bible for yourself. Luke chapter 17. And as I look through this familiar story in the life of Christ, I see first here that you and I are surrounded by people who are in need. Have you gleaned that in the past couple years? There are people that are around us that are desperately in need. Look at verse 11, starting in verse 11 of Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, He was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as He entered a village, He was met there by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, in Christ's earthly ministry, as He's traveling along, He's quite a ways into His ministry at this point. I wonder how this group, this ten, would have heard about Jesus to the point where they gather together, and then when He's passing by, they call out to Him for mercy. How might that work? Jesus had performed a lot of miracles, and of course, when someone perform, performs miracles in a small setting like uh, that area, the word's going to spread. You might remember something that Jesus would commonly say toward the beginning of His ministry when He healed someone. He would say, now keep this a secret. Go and don't tell anybody. And oftentimes, they didn't listen to that. But do you think you would have listened to it as well? Do you think if you were healed and, and received a miracle, you wouldn't be shouting it from the rooftops? The word had spread. Likely, that one individual that was healed that we read about in Luke chapter 5, likely that word had spread. And maybe this group or one or more in this group had heard about this, and so they were trying to track when could they encounter Jesus. When could they find this one who could solve their problem? Now, it's a group of 10, which is a little bit unusual because when we think of leprosy, one of the results of having leprosy was isolation. These here wanted to be healed. And for this group, we see that they came as close as they could to Jesus Christ. Of course, they had a law. If you had leprosy, you were supposed to keep a certain distance and even warn people that you were sick in that way. And the appeal here that these ten give, make no mistake about it, there's one thing they're asking for. There's only one request, and we don't fault them for that. They have a request to be healed of this horrible disease that they had, and there is nothing desired from this one who could give so much more. Jesus had so much that He could give them, but they're faced with this disease. The horrible disease of leprosy, which is just about completely gone today, you can do a little bit of research and find some pictures in this skin disease, 
but pretty much it would just have an effect on you that would keep uh, affecting your body and your skin. It would wither, and you couldn't feel pain in certain areas, and to the point where possibly even parts of your body were, were falling off, and you didn't even know it. It wasn't an immediate death sentence. People would live between five and ten years after getting leprosy, but it was extremely contagious. And so it drove the individuals that had it into isolation, isolation from society. It's not just the, the uh, sickness and the spread of why they had to stay isolated. It was actually one of God's laws when the Israelites were first on their own and traveling, God gave them laws and rules to follow to protect them. Can you imagine this nomadic group of a couple million people traveling around and before the modern day of antibiotics that we have, how disease could spread? So in those days, they had a law. Leviticus, I believe it's 13, tells us that if someone got leprosy, they would have to be outside the camp, isolated. Also, they had to uh, act a certain way if they were coming into contact with others. The Bible tells us in Leviticus 13 that the leper shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, no one would fault this group for their request of Jesus Christ, the request to be healed. But we, when we examine this, and when we know, some of you know very personally, the power of the one that they were encountering, you would understand that their request is, is falling short. There's so much greater an opportunity that is available to them. And we find something similar in our day today. We find individuals that will have some kind of encounter with Christ or Christianity or church, but they're only seeking to have the small need met. They're missing out on the greater need that is there. Most people recognize that there is something wrong in their lives, but they fail. They fail to diagnose the real problem. It's not hard to see something's wrong, is it? How, how far do you have to look around? How long do you have to watch the news to see there's something wrong? And people will take a look at what's wrong in their life, and they'll say, if I could just get this fixed, then there would be joy. So many people recognize the wrong thing as the main problem. I will be first in line to say how thankful I am for ministries that help, help feed the hungry, ministries that, that help out the needy, some that will put shoes on the feet of children that would never have shoes otherwise, and even in communities where they don't have clean water, a group that would go and give them water. Ministries that are meeting needs are wonderful. We understand that if it, if it is not tied to meeting the greatest need in their life, it falls short. That's what happened to nine of these fellows. They had their immediate need that they saw met, but it fell short. We're blessed to participate in, in the Christmas shoebox ministry of Samaritan's Purse. Many of you uh, participate in that. 
I know I enjoy going and shopping. I always pick a boy <laughs> to shop for. And I enjoy going and filling up that box with different things that I think they would like. And I even picture in my mind opening this box and I want them to have the best box. You know, I want to give them the best box that they have. But we recognize that the Billy Graham Association has done such a good job of tying the gospel to those boxes where they will hear clearly about the greater need. You don't need a soccer ball as much as you need Jesus Christ. And we are able to see evaluations and see people that have come to Christ and I think even churches that have started as a result of that ministry. Nothing wrong with meeting an immediate need, but we have to keep in our minds what is the point of giving them food if they're going to die and go to hell? And for you and I, how many of you have learned that God seems to teach amazing lessons when we're in a very dark place? Have you learned that? You would have never asked for that situation. But God has a way of doing something when we are in the depths of despair and teaching lessons when we are in distress that we will never forget. And so you and I, we're surrounded by individuals who are calling out for mercy. Individuals who need help. They have an immediate need and most of them have a greater need that they don't even know about. So they're calling out for mercy like these ten. And I have to ask today, is anyone listening? Are you able to hear them call out? Are you even able to tune in and hear them call out when they're not saying the words? We are surrounded by individuals in need. Jesus Christ is listening. We need to be His ears in this world. That's the next thing that I see here among these men. We must learn to listen when God is speaking. We must learn to hear what he is saying. Look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. That's an interesting response, isn't it? Now, in Luke chapter 5, there's another leper that Jesus healed. Jesus changed his life, and he reacted differently to him. When Christ, early in his ministry, encountered that leper, he went close I have to imagine his disciples tried to protect him. Christ, no. Jesus, stay back. He's a leper. You can't touch him. And Christ embraced that leper in Luke chapter 5. He touched him. He got close. Jesus doesn't do that here. He acts differently. And I am encouraged when I study God's Word and see the variety of ways that Jesus used to heal people. Does you ever scratch your head? Why did He spit and make mud at one point to heal the blind man? Another time, He just touched His eyes. Why would He do that? I think that we're filled with a world of people who would be trying to, to create the same thing. If He did the same thing all the time, we'd be trying to recreate that. Jesus used a lot of variety when He healed. And here, He actually just says, Go and present yourself to the priest. But that's backwards. Why is he telling them, go and present yourself to the priest? Well, hold on. 
Jesus, we said have mercy on us. I get go and present ourselves to the priest, but something's got to happen before that. You see, the priests are the ones that would declare them to be cleansed. We find that again in Leviticus. And I'm glad the job description of the pastor has changed a whole lot since then, for one. Go to the priest and, they will, and show them that you are clean. And yet he hadn't cleansed them yet. And the Bible was going to tell us that they hear this message and they do what he says. Now they keep their distance, their socially distance here. They shout to Jesus, and Jesus keeps his distance and shouts back, go to the priest. Just a side note here that I, I, I don't know. I, one of my favorite parts of the Bible is the white spaces between the black lines and what happened there. You ever try to guess what happened? Jesus was pretty deep into his ministry at this point. And so he tells them to go to the religious leaders so they can pronounce them clean. Now, when they went to those religious leaders, and it was obvious that these nine who showed up were clean, they must have asked questions, right? Whoa, when was the last time we had nine guys come in and show us this? Goodness, well, well, what happened? Tell us what happened. Well, we had a teacher help us out. Well, really? Well, let's, we're going to record this. Uh, who was the one that helped you? Well, it was Jesus, of course. <sighs> Don't you think they got mad? Don't you think they were bothered? This Jesus, oh, he's more popular than we are. He's gaining momentum. And now we cannot argue with this miracle. I imagine they hated him even more at that point. But Jesus Says, says, go and present yourself to the priest. Kind of reminds me of when he healed the man with the withered hand. Do you remember the guy with the withered hand? And what did Jesus tell him to do? Do you remember? Stretch forth your hand. Well, I can't stretch forth my hand. Why are you saying that? If you heal me, then I can do it. Stretch forth your hand. And he was able to do it. To the cripple by the pool... Pick up your mat and go home. Why do you think I'm here? I can't pick up my mat and go home. There was this idea that the work had already been done. And when we look to our lives today, we must understand that God uses a variety of situations to get our attention. And I hope you don't miss it. There are so many lessons to be learned through these times. And we call out for mercy and we want help. We want relief. And sometimes God might give us mercy. Sometimes He might not. But all the time, God is there in the answer, whether it's what we ask for or not. And so we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. About 50 years ago is how long it's been. There were five brothers sitting on the front row of a funeral home. And uh, they were Bernie, Bill, Donnie, and Jack, and Jerry. And Jerry's my father. And those five boys sat on the front row of the funeral home. 
They were at a funeral of their sixth brother. His name was Webb. Webb had committed suicide and had killed somebody right before he did that. And the message that was preached at that funeral was about the rich man and Lazarus, about someone who went to a place called hell. And there was a message. Would you send someone to go back and to tell my brothers about this place so they do not have to come here? And Bill missed it, and Jerry missed it, and Bernie missed it, and Donnie missed it. But there was one young man named Jack, and he sat there and he said, my brother Webb is probably in hell and I'm probably going there too. And God started to work in his heart. And he came to Christ. That's how my family was introduced to Jesus Christ. And Jack led my brother, or his brother, my dad, to Christ. There was a message of comfort in that funeral, I'm sure. There were songs of comfort. There was hugging. But the main message was, Jesus is here to save you. Most of them missed it. One caught it. Here, Jesus Christ is speaking out. He is responding to them. All ten heard Jesus say, go to the priest. But only one would receive the greater message. That's why we see finally here that there was one that recognized the greater opportunity. Look at verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And so we find one here who did not go to the priest for certification. That's how I read it. The nine were doing what Jesus told them to. Go to the priest. Get certified. Then you can go back into society. And it appears that this one did not go to the priest. There are mixed responses to miracles. For some, there was a miracle that they rejoiced over, the miracle of being healed of their leprosy, and that's what they wanted. But there was one who received both the miracle of being healed of his leprosy and being saved by an almighty God. Only one. Not only was this man's skin cleansed, but this man's eyes were opened to the Savior. That is why he chose adoration above certification. And can you imagine the the stories years later? This, I mean, you guys all hear stories that live on in, in, in infamy in your families, right? If you get together for Christmas, that same story comes up every year and everybody laughs at it or maybe laughs at you. I'm not sure how those stories go in your family. Those stories that are so famous. 
Can you imagine the grandkids talking to Grandpa? Grandpa, Grandpa, tell us again the story. Or bring my friends over so they can hear this story. Grandpa, will you tell us again? We so want to hear it. And then Grandpa would tell the story about the day when his skin was cleansed and he got his family back. But there was one. There was just one when the grandkids would holler out, Grandpa, tell us the story. He would gather them around and he would tell the story about when his heart was cleansed and when he got his Savior. God is in everything. If we keep our eyes open, not only will He wonderfully give us those wonderful blessings that often come, like these nine experienced, but oftentimes He wants to teach us something beautiful. And so I want to encourage us as followers of a God who can do anything to expect God to do the extraordinary. We should not be surprised by it. We can get excited We can say, that's awesome, praise the Lord, but we should not be shocked when we hear the God stories that people share. And by the way, this is my little commercial to do that. There are fewer things that make my eyes perk up more than when someone says, I have a God story for you. I've got a God story to share with you. And the world calls that dumb luck, and they call it chance, and you and I call it a God who is involved in every aspect of our lives. And so we expect God to do the extraordinary. When we walk through this world, we need some extraordinary, don't we? We need something that we have, and we can point to Jesus Christ and say, I'm not surprised one bit that He would do that. There's no doubt that our God works in mysterious ways. He works in ways that we could not fathom, that the most creative writer could not come up with. God works in such mysterious ways. And it is sad that there are so many, if I can borrow the expression, who will be going to show themselves to the priest instead of experiencing the wonder of what God really wanted to do in their life. Look for Him and His wonder in the moments when He wants to show you something that's so much greater than just a miracle of healing the skin, but He wants to show you that He's a real God in a real world to help you with whatever you face. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God... As we look to you, we thank you for being one that knows each of us by name. And there's no doubt in my mind when we talk about challenging times that there are some that are hearing this message that are right in the middle of a challenging time, maybe one of the most challenging times of their lives. We thank you that we are not alone. And I thank you for the small lessons and small blessings that you give along the way. But would you keep our eyes open to Jesus Christ right in the middle of it? 
Lord, so often you show up in such a wonderful and amazing way that we could not possibly understand. Help us to see Jesus. We thank you for the privilege of being called your children. We thank you for the work of Christ on the cross. And I would ask, Father, that you would allow us to remember that when everything seems lost, when we've been isolated, when we've been cast out, when we have a disease or a sickness or even something that's going on that no one else can see, would you allow us to hold on to what we have in you? As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask the piano to play through. I want to give you a chance to pray. This Jesus that we have talked about today, he came to this world, yes, to perform miracles, to prove that he was God, to forgive sins. And the way that he would forgive sins is by dying on a cross for your sins. If today you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you can ask him today. You can become a child of his if you never have before. Just start to pray. Ask him to lead you in the prayer, and he will. Jesus died for your sins, and you can be forgiven today and have assurance of a place in heaven. Maybe some of you have been so distracted by struggles that are around you and you've completely missed what God was trying to teach you in the middle of it. Take a moment to pray.